The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Welcome, everybody, to uh, next episode for the Story World Podcast. I'm Alex Jagir here with your Steve the Man Shram. How you doing tonight, Steve? Man, I'm doing wonderful, man. How are you? I am doing just fine. I'm excited for tonight. I actually took over the introductions for tonight because I want to give a great introduction for what our episode is on tonight, and that is my good friend, Steve. Um, I do have a grand introduction. I'm going to list all of uh, Steve's uh, tags, professions, hats, if you will. So we're going to go down through the list here. Uh, Steve is uh, first and foremost, a uh, Christian and a family man. Uh, after mm. that, you have musician that you can add to the plate, an entrepreneur, yeah. an apologist, an owner of probably 100 plus domain names, and <laughs> probably just as many business ideas. <laughs> he is a good friend of mine, and I'm sure the list goes on and on. But mm. uh, there you have it. That is, uh, those are all the hats that Steve wears. I think he wears them quite well. Oh, well, thank you. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, amazing. I feel like, uh, I'm a very blessed person to have gotten to do the things that I've gotten to do. And I feel like I'm just getting started. So, yeah, I, I know I, I'm excited to talk about where you're at now and also get into your mind a little bit, Steve. The first question that I have kind of running off of, um, this introduction I have for you here is how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a man with so much stuff on this plate or do you feel focused and have it all organized in your mind? Oh, that is a great question. I'm so looking forward to this. Look at all these awesome penetrating questions. I feel like if I don't have a couch in here, I do have a recliner. I feel like Mm. though I should get a couch and this should be a therapy uh, session. Um, So I have to admit, Sometimes I wonder if I'm a little insane. Um, you know, like sometimes I wonder if I'm if I'm a little crazy. I um I like to say that my um my aspirations in, in my mind are like somewhere between Elon Musk and sitting on a beach somewhere drinking tequila and never lifting a finger again. Mm. Right? I'm some I'm somewhere. Uh, in between that scale. Um, and honestly, the reason for that is because I am, and I I honestly don't really know where this comes from. If I'm being honest, I think that, um, I think the motivated side of me when I really started getting into business and stuff, like, I think I just had one of these aha moments where I saw that there was a life. Well, this is my episode and we're only going to, me and you are the only ones ever going to listen back to it anyway. So I might as well just say what I want to say and take my time. Yes. So, um, you know, for me, I, I, I start the I, 10 I, minutes I, now. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. It's very helpful. You know, I, I feel like I had a moment 
um, because I grew up um, getting to do stuff that other people didn't get to do. Mm. And uh, when I was in high school, you know, I became best friends with a family who was really big in the gospel music industry and owned a recording studio. They were right there in my hometown. One of my best friends was married or, or dating this guy. Um, and so we, uh, you know, got together and became great friends. And I got to spend the next basically decade plus uh, of my life working in recording studios, playing music live full time. And I... I basically had a little taste. I took a year off of college and now I'm in like my 15th year or so of my year off of college or whatever that is. I don't know. It hasn't been that long or has it? Gosh, I don't know. Time flies. Um, um, but we'll see. 20, and, and math is hard. And math is hard. <laughs> yeah. 2008. I graduated high school in 2008, which is hard to believe. I took a year off and I'm still in that year. So, um, um, but I I got sort of a, a taste of a life that was different from the life that most people lived. The life that I was sort of living while everybody else was at work, I was riding around town or I was in a recording studio or I was traveling across the country in a church somewhere or some venue to play music. And when I, even though I wasn't making a lot of money at that time, which is a long story that we won't even get into, I wasn't making a lot of money during that time, but I was surviving. And, um, I still, you know, for some of that time I lived with my mom still, of course, uh, cause I was like in high school and stuff. Um, and then I eventually got married and, you know, we set out on our own uh, that was in 2012. And the reality is, is that I had enough of a taste of the life where you didn't have to like clock in and work mm -hmm. at somebody else's place all day and do stuff that you hate that I knew that long-term I didn't want that to be me. And so I did, uh, for a while of doing that, um, you know, I did go through a period where I actually did go to work again, uh, for uh, about five years, uh, for about yeah. a five year ish or not, uh, maybe it might've been a little longer than that. Um, seven years, I think it was about a seven year time frame that I was full-time employed, um, at a real job, And, um, about two, one and a half to two years into that gig, I was like, yeah, no more of this. Mm. And, um, I set a goal for five years. I was like five years, I want out. And by the grace of God, literally within a week, um, of that number, I, I hit that five-year mark. I set a five-year goal and I was, I was out in that five-year time period. And, um, I am unemployable, um, save for some sort of catastrophic, thing that happens in my businesses or whatever. Um, at which time I would probably take a job where I didn't have a ceiling, like a sales job, car salesman or mm. something like that. You know what I mean? I would, if I ever went back to like work, you know what yeah. I'm saying? A job, a I would find a job in sales for some kind of product that I was very, very passionate about. And that's what I would do because I know that I could kill it at that, uh, because I know how to do sales and I know how to sell. So, so there is such a career as a butcher. So you could be selling meat. There all is. Day. I could be selling meat. All day. That is. <laughs> you just, you love the is, product. So that is true. I could put somebody in some meat. That is for yeah, sure. Uh, that, that's a lot different than the job where you put your meat in somebody. Yeah. That's a different, two, those are two separate. Two separate that's a different things. occupation. Yes. Um, and, and, and so I guess, so for me, um, what, what happened is I, I got a taste of, I had a taste of the life where you didn't have to um, make somebody else rich by, 
punching a clock. Mm-hmm. I got a taste of that life. Then I got into the world where I was doing that for a while. And don't get me wrong, love the people I worked with, had great opportunities, great connections, and even some lifelong relationships to come out of that. Um, but at the same time, I knew I wanted out and to do my own thing. And so I started to really get into online marketing, you know, digital marketing, web- website design. And I started learning about that stuff, reading books voraciously, listening to podcasts voraciously. And that just sort of ignited a, uh, the book of Jeremiah talks about a fire in your, in your belly, a fire in your bones. And I, uh, have that fire has just never gone out to, to make an impact, to build something, uh, great and to have a business that's not limited, uh, this limited by nothing other than my own imagination. And, um, there's a guy that I follow online. His name is Myron Golden. And he talks about the four levels of value basically that you can provide for people. Some people make value. Uh, give value working with their hands. Some people give value um, managing uh, other people. Some people give value in communication. And some people make uh, give value and, and make money with their imagination. And at each of those levels of value, you have certain income caps, except for imagination. If you use money, if you use your mind to make money, there's literally no limit to the money that you can make. Um, and not that I'm fully motivated by money, but money helps you do cool things in the world, not only for your family, but for other people as well. So I'm actually not motivated by money in the greed sense. And I think I can, I think I can say that objectively, like it's not that I need some, it's not that I need endless amounts of, of money. It's that I don't have a ceiling on what I do because of the lifestyle that I've chosen, which gets into why I like to write and things like that. But yeah, you, you asked the question, how do I, how do I see myself? Do I have this all organized in my head or, or, or whatever? And to give a more direct answer to your question, it's a combination of two things. In the, in the micro, right, in the immediate right in front of me, it's a commitment, at least at this stage in the game. It is a commitment to mastering the fundamentals in a smaller number of um, – of focuses. I have other things going on too, but there's a few things that I'm really focused on and I'm working on mastering the fundamentals in those. Mm. While at the same time, I have big vision about various things that I want to do and even how some of them all uh, sort of tie in together. And frankly, some of it is, some of it is like evolving from day to day. And I have new thoughts here as I read new books and new podcasts, I always make room for new stuff. Um, but then I also have a task manager, right? I'm really practical and hands-on with a task manager on like, I'll write ideas down for what I want to do. And like, and, and so I, I stick to a, a strict to-do list and my goal every day is to start with my to-do list and check it off. So it's a combination of those things. Some of it's in my head and some of it's on paper. Um, and I just go from there and, uh, and do whatever I'm feeling. And it's a, it's a privileged life that I get to lead in that sense. I feel like even though, um, I think we've kind of known it before. We never really talked about it. You and I, we are a lot of a lot alike. And one of the similarities that we have is I think our mind just don't stop working. And it's mm-hmm. kind of a blessing and a curse. I find myself, I can't get into anything almost for the fun of it. It has to be serious. And I, so, so like yeah. with like playing video games, it used to be such a great hobby of mine. And I'm trying to get back into it kind of lightly, but I have a hard time now getting into a video game without thinking, man, I could make something like this, like this cool. And then all of a sudden I start like thinking about video game making and I start looking at stuff and then I realize, but this takes away from your writing and you can't do that. And then, so my brain immediately 
just gets too much overload. And I think probably your mind yeah. works somewhat similar to that. So I know that you said you want to focus on a few smaller different things, but I said it kind of jokingly, but it's true. You do have a lot of domain names and a lot of business ideas and, and they're all great ideas. And when you catch on to one, you think, oh, this domain name isn't taken. I could do this. I could do this. Do you do that because it's, it's more or less fun to think about those ideas? Or do you think that any one of these ideas, if thought more, could potentially bring in, I don't want to say money because I know you're not chasing money, but just be a successful business. So how do you see your brain yeah. working that way? No, that, that's such a good question. That's exactly it. So um, I'm the same way. I have a hard time doing anything for fun. It's like I started, you got me into fiction. I started reading fiction. <laughs> and and, and uh, they're writing. <laughs> And exploring, like, how do I write fiction? And da, 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 da. now there's also good business reasons for that, too. For example, if you look at successful self published or even published authors, the people who have the um, greatest assets are fiction writers, um, right? Because of what, what the fiction what fiction allows you to do because of the mass appeal that it has, right? And so it, it's actually, if you're a person with the skill of writing, it actually makes a lot of sense to learn how to write good fiction because good fiction means good storytelling and good storytelling can and should be used in nonfiction mm -hmm. and fiction is a way to, to gain assets. Right. So that's just one, one example. So for the domain names, right. When I, when I hear an idea, it is, it's probably a 50, 50 combination of, Oh, that's really cool. I can't believe I can actually buy that domain name. So I'm going to get it. Uh, and also, yeah, I think this could make some money. I have never, I have never bought a domain name that I didn't think had the potential to produce mm. income with an idea. Yeah. Okay. So that's one thing I've never, now I have let some domain names go once I realized, okay, I don't really have the passion for that idea anymore. And also I'm, I'm currently saving up for some big domain names uh, yeah. that I can afford um, that I've never paid this much for a domain name before. And I don't even know that I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm saving up the money right now to see how it feels like to be able to pay for that domain name and see if I want it. And if I'm, if I'm going to be able to use it, you know? Um, so I, I see opportunities and this is what I've learned. What I've learned about business, and I really hope somebody actually watches this or listens to this because I feel like they will learn a lot if they do. Um, I'm distilling like thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into this, into this, you know, our time together right now. So yeah. I feel like, I feel like um, one of the big mistakes, some people, um, let's contrast two people to help me make this clear. Okay. And help, and help me think about it as well. Let's contrast two people that we talk about often. Dana White and Elon Musk. Okay. Dana White is involved in various little business ventures, but he never talks about them. You don't really know about any of that stuff. I mean, he's got ownership in lots mm -hmm. of companies. He also gambles. Like, there's lots of reasons why Dana White is rich. Okay. But as far as Dana White's daily focus, he is a savage entrepreneur and his focus is the UFC, right? Mm -hmm. This dude's, this dude bleeds UFC. Like, like, I'm pretty sure if he goes to the hospital bleeding, literally the letters are forming a, like <laughs> forming a UFC on his arm, right? I feel like he bleeds UFC. And if you hear him talk in any context about business, you mm. will get that sense because he always knew from the time he was like a kid that he wanted to be in the fight business. That was never a question. Okay, There was never a question that Dana White 
was going to be in the fight business. That was going to happen. Like, no bones about it, okay? Elon Musk is not that way. Now, Elon Musk looks at, and I'm on my second read-through right now of his biography, about halfway through the second time. And the... um. The thing about Elon is, is that there are overarching strategies and principles that he relies on. For example, he's big on physics principles, like um, first, like for, like literally, it's called first principles thinking, which is this idea that okay, if you have to buy a piece from a current manufacturer, an actuator for an arm for a robot arm or something like that, okay, what are the chances that and he actually there's a name for this called the idiot index, but. Um, and I won't get the exact details of that right, but I just wanted to to clarify that there's actually a name for this. Um, he'll look at it and he'll say, okay, well, uh, we have to buy this actuator from this other place, and it's X amount of dollars. Let's, let's say it's $100. And th- the numbers are usually a lot crazier than that. Let's say it's $100 to buy this actuator. It might only be $15 to actually make the actuator yourself rather than buy it from somebody else. And so the question is, when you're trying to cut costs, like, don't, shouldn't we just make this actuator? Shouldn't we just spend a little bit more money up front and create a process that will make the actuator so that we don't have to mm-hmm. buy it from somebody else because it's been inflated by all by having to go through the product cycle uh, and buy it you know, in this way. So why don't we just make it ourselves? So those are two different approaches to business in general, right? Or to even to life, really. This idea that I have a, I have a purpose, I have a mission, it's this one thing, boom, that's what I'm going to do. Whereas Elon, that's the Dana White sort of approach, whereas the Elon approach is this seems like a good opportunity to make an impact in the world and or to make money or to do whatever. And so that's what he does. So literally, he'll literally have a thought one day, how come we look at the world and we think about the world in 3D, but we travel across the world in 2D? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, cool. We're going to start a company. And we're going to drill holes in the ground, and it's going to be called the Boring Company. And literally, that's how companies form for him. He'll literally go in all night, you know, video game binges or whatever. Like uh, one of the stories, like the offer to Twitter was put in at the end of a three-hour gaming (laughs) session, one of his favorite games. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. He tweeted, offer offer sent or whatever, right? (laughs) Yes. And and that's just how he rolls. And so the point point there was – um, I like to play the game of business and supporting my family and being able to do what I want. Okay. In a, in a very real sense, I already live the dream. Okay. I don't, I don't, mm. we don't, we're not rich. Like, but like we are middle-class, right? Just frankly. Right. And, and so it might even be weird to be having this conversation. You say you're a middle-class guy. Why are we even talking about this? Well, number one, because I, like many of these other people who even for a long time took it took a long time for things to actually pop off for them. I have an undying belief that it will work. What is it? I don't know. Something. Something that I'm doing will really, really work. Obviously, I've got something to the point of we are comfortable. We take weeks off when we want to. Neither my wife or I have to work. We support our family of six. We have a car payment, a house payment. You know, We're fairly normal in that regard, but I don't have to check in a clock anywhere. I haven't done that for two years now. My wife's business is thriving. She, her business is, is really starting to get some traction too. Um, as she does crafting and design stuff. And, and so there's all these little things going on. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, I have no doubt a- about it, like that 
one day we will be even more successful than we are now. But even right now, if we didn't see any more success and it just was kind of a steady growth for the rest of our lives, that'd be fine with me um, because we're already in a very privileged position that most other people are not. And not only are we in that position, but we know we're in that position. In other words, there's so many people who have not yet waken up from the fact that they are a cog in the machine. And it's not that that's not to say that you can't be an employee somewhere. It, it it's fine to be an employee somewhere. Uh, that's not the issue at all. But there are some people who might be the next Elon or the next Dana or the next whoever who don't even know that that's a, a route you can take. Right. The only route they know is, oh, you go clock in for somebody else and make $15 an hour. And that's what's a shame. Okay. It's okay if you if you do that sort of thing and you know it and it's part of your purpose in life and you're supporting other missions. We need people like that. It's not like being an entrepreneur is some virtuous thing. It's actually really, really hard. Okay. It's not for everybody. That's for sure. Um, but there are people who think that way. And it's it is for all the stress and the problems that come with it, there are also a lot of benefits, like not having to ask somebody's permission when I want to go out of town, not having to spend all day actually like tinkering and physically doing the work. I have a team that does that stuff for me. Most of my day is spent thinking and writing, which is what I want to be doing. It's like my dream job. So I'm already doing my dream job now. And um, Lord willing, it's all downhill from here, right? In that sense, or in a sense, all uphill um, in the sense of a climb, right? So, um, um, domain names, right? Bringing it back to what you actually asked. Yeah. For me, it's about playing the game. Okay. The, the thing that I'm doing is playing the game of business, moving chess pieces, see, putting out offers, seeing which offers work and doing more like that, seeing which offers don't work and doing less like that. So like the, the main thing that we have right now that works, that supports our family is my web agency. Okay. I'm good at that. I like it. It's a fun business. I like serving clients. Um, I, I have a great team and I lead that team and it's a lot of fun. Um, but I'm not planning to own a web agency for the rest of my working career. Why? Um, because doing client work is not ultimately what I want to do. Okay. Any good marketer knows when you get into the marketing world, there's like a big secret. The big secret is that as a marketer, you can make more money selling your own scalable products than you can doing client work for other people. That's mm. like the big, that's like the big secret that some people like never learn or take like once somebody learns that, it's hard for them to uh value client work. In the same way. And so even when you're starting to, even when you do client work, you're now starting to think about different things. Like you're starting to say things like, oh, I'll give you just a practical example. Okay. I took on a new client a few weeks ago and very traditional sort of arrangement monthly. You know, they're paying us monthly and we're working with her, et cetera. Well, she came to me the other day with an email and said, hey, this other guy is doing this. And basically what it was is it's this company doing white label real estate training. So the company sets up a, uh, a site with real estate training, they sell white label rights to that site. Basically, it means they would duplicate the site, put somebody else's name on it, sell them that, and then those people can do the the, the real estate training under their own name. Does that make sense? You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So my client asked me about this. She's like, I'd like to do this. You know, is this something that you can do? Okay. Somebody who is only in client services mindset says, 
Yeah, absolutely. It will cost X dollars per website. And that's it. That's the end of the thought process, right? And then they can charge, you know, she could charge her people, whatever. Is that a terrible way to go? No, but it's not the way I'm interested in because that's not how I can make, that's not how I can make the most money. Yes, but it's not how I can play the game the most strategically. The most strategic way to play the game is to say, yeah, we can do that. Hey, this sounds like a joint venture opportunity. We can both make a lot of money if you're the face of this thing and you sell it and then we get paid each time directly from the client for setting up the website and doing that mm -hmm. side of it, right? So this is a specific joint venture that has the opportunity to make a lot more money than if I'm just charging the client for the service. So that's the way my brain works, which is why to a lot of people, it might sound like I've got a lot of different businesses going on. It's really not. It's really just a few different areas of my life within which there are sort of patches of opportunity. And some of those things work and some of those things don't. But that's how I think about everything all together. Um, and, and, and right. So when I buy the domain names, it's not me thinking um, that anyone has the ability to strike it big or whatever. It's that, yeah, I think this is something that fits within the purview of what I'm doing. And there's an opportunity here. And maybe in one week or three years or 10 years, I'll um, press go on that opportunity and see where it goes, or then I'll just let it go. That's how I think about things. Um, the, the term I like to use is gardening. Okay. Mm. I garden. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm just pouring a little water. I'm planting seeds. I'm pouring a little water. I'm opening the, you know, I'm getting a little sunlight in. And when I see one start to, to, to sprout a little bit, I zoom in on it and I say, where's this going? And then I follow that through for a little while. And then I, I zoom out and start looking at my garden again and I do it all over again. That's my approach to life basically. I like it. Um, what's a new kind of goes into what's a newer project or idea that you are jumping into or want to work on or are working on that you think is like your next big thing or something that you're just really excited about? Mm. So If my web agency, in the context of my garden, is a mighty oak, mm. here's where my here's where my here's where my botany fails. Okay, most, because most gardens have oaks. Good, that's good to know. I don't know what a, I don't know what another tree really would be though, off the top of my head. So whatever. If, yeah. But if my if my if my web agency is a mighty oak, I have a lot of, to use a biblical example, I know a little a little bit about the Bible. So to use a biblical example, um, I have a ton of mustard seeds, right? A ton of really, really small things that are not quite there yet. Um, the next big thing is something I've had for a little while now, a little over a year, and that is my subscription web design mm -hmm. um, coaching business. Okay. So there's some other things that I'm working on, but, re but really that's, that's a, that's a clear number two in my current scenario. Um, because we're ramping up the marketing with that, the YouTube channel with that, the email marketing with that. I just today recorded a couple new, uh, masterclass trainings that I am mm. Really excited about that. I'm going to, they're, they're going to be part of what, um, what Russell Brunson calls a Mifki offer, most incredible free gift ever. Um, it's basically a, to put it in plain terms, hey, sign up for the membership 
and you'll get these other two bonus things that are worth you know yeah. together a thousand bucks or 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 whatever and it's like this is the only place you can get that the only way you can get that is by signing up for my membership so whereas my membership already comes with lots of training and stuff in it these are going to be two other um more exclusive trainings that only members get access to um and i am using that thinking in general in terms of building up a library of assets that i can package up and sell in other contexts and, and do lots of things with but as far as that goes that is the business that is showing the most amount of promise now aside from my web agency which is fantastic because it's an info marketing business which means there is zero overhead right mm -hmm. uh, basically zero overhead and it's cool because what i'm doing it's a natural outgrowth of my agency right so in my agency we're actually applying the things i literally just take what i'm learning in my agency that's working share it with my uh, people who I'm coaching and training and it works in tandem, right? So I can be growing this info marketing sort of publishing arm of my business at the same time that um, my actual agency is growing. And what some people do is they'll go ahead at, at you know, this, I'm, I would not be the first person to do this. I would be like the 8 millionth, you know, person to do mm -hmm. this. Um, but essentially there are some people who just eventually bow totally out of the agency and then they just go to the info publishing side of things. I don't plan to do that just because I'm a portfolio guy, right? I don't need, um, I don't need to only have one thing at a time going or, or whatever, quite obviously. What I would do is promote somebody who was a little bit closer to me in terms of knowledge and skill about the website to basically run the agency side of the operation. That's what I would do uh, when I get to that point. Um, and honestly, like, again, this is just how I roll. I would probably do that as soon as subscription web design became, uh, was making as much money as the other business is. Like, probably as soon as that happened, I think I would bow out of the running of the agency mm. and, and leave that entirely to an operator. And then that would just be, a profit and loss statement at the end of the, you know, for me to look at at the end of the month. And I, I would bow out completely of, 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 of doing that, um, uh, that hands-on work, maybe not completely, but, but, but a pretty good bit. Um, because again, with the info publishing side of things, that's just such an amazing business. So I'm working on some, so I've, I, again, I recorded those two master classes today. I'm going to tomorrow. I hope, I, I hope I'm going to get it done tomorrow. I'm going to try to write a new sales page for that um to where i can immediately start sending people to that and that offers out there and then once i get that piece of it done i'm going to work on a sales webinar and then start funneling traffic to that every single month and and really actually try to make a concerted effort to scale that business up to um i don't know i'll throw numbers out there again it's probably only gonna be you and me listen to this so um i'll throw numbers out there um boy i'd really like that arm of the business to be to 15 20k yeah. by the end of next year if that if that business could be 15 20k by the end of next year which is entirely possible to be honest um boy chub up gravy for me that would just be gravy trade you know awesome. it's totally great so that's kind of where i'm at <clears throat> let's say the subscription web design and um your website building marketing let's say all that side either either scenario either it flopped didn't work out it just like stopped mm. making you money stopped making you you know successful in that way or let's say it made you 
somewhat uber successful and you kind of wanted to shake your hands of it, just rake in the money and then work on another project. Mm. I know that you are, you have your feet pretty deep into apology. Um, and then you and I, um, you know, like to discuss about apologetics and discuss, yeah. discuss that subject matter. And I know that you do a little bit more than me as far as you have your own YouTube channel about it. Um, some way, I mm -hmm. guess you could say that and um, have a lot of discussions on it. Do you see that as more of your kind of fun outlet? Or do you see that mm -hmm. as something, an avenue where you could take that very seriously and try to make, I guess, I wouldn't say career out of it, but um, have a more business mindset to it? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. So you and I have talked about this a little bit, which is, I'm guessing, the genesis of the question. Um, so what I, what, I, what I would say is that currently out of necessity i have to look at it as a fun outlet um because the the revenue and the publishing model while i have a good idea of of where it is i can't i can't at this moment devote as much time to it as would be needed to really make a run at that so um you know i i would like to see I don't think it will be taken seriously. So full disclosure, right? That YouTube channel that I'm working on for that. Um, I've been in this space for a long time. The creation, um, mm -hmm. apologetics, you know, space for a while. And um, it, it's, it's, it's even for this podcast, it's way too long of a story for me to go into the full history of. The short version is when I first started doing this, I had massive traction. Um, like early days, like 2016, 2017, you know, I was getting like four to 500 downloads per podcast episode and I was just on audio. Hmm. Okay. That was, that's like for, for anybody who doesn't know, that's pretty good. Right. For like a brand new podcast about a subject matter. And, uh, again, lots of reasons for that. Lots of context, et cetera. I bowed out of that and I'm sort of rebuilding and I started rebuilding that just recently. Uh, so end of last year and at a much slower pace than before. And so I am mostly focusing on the YouTube. I haven't even checked my podcast analytics for that, mm -hmm. just to be honest with you in forever. I, on YouTube, I'm just under 200 subscribers. Okay. I'm at like 194. Um, I have my, my thing tells me, hang on analytics. Yeah. The audio version, it tells me, I have an average or a guesstimate basically is how that works of, um, of 20 audio subscribers to that mm. podcast. But I think that's wrong. I, I think that's wrong because as I look at my downloads, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm mostly like in the forties, fifties, sixties on downloads per episode. So, yeah. so, and then on YouTube, I actually do get a fair amount of views. Um, but the subscriber growth is still in the early stages, so it's a little slower. Okay. So anyway, I said all that to say, I think before I can really make a big push for that, I need to be taken a lot more seriously in that in that movement. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I need to be looking at like, gosh, I mean, I, this, is, this sounds even daunting to say, but I mean, I need to be looking at, I'm talking about scraping the bare bones minimum, probably 10,000 subscribers on YouTube before like it even makes mm -hmm. sense to start talking really about some of the stuff that I'm thinking about doing. And, and honestly, it needs to be more than that. What's interesting though. Okay. Um, is if that doesn't work out, 
there's another avenue. So I had another conversation yesterday um, with the group. They are a research group that is um, filled with some of the most prominent creationist scientific, you know, scientists and researchers that there is um, currently practicing today. And um, I have an opportunity uh, that I brought to them um, for basically a creationist crowdfunding site. It, it'd be a, it'll be a crowdfunding site focused on research for young age creationists. And this is a massive opportunity. Um, this will be, if this works the way that we think it will, especially since I have their backing on this and, and we're all working together on this, this will um, massively increase my credibility and frankly my the awareness of me in that space um because it will have come from it will actually have come out of my marketing and business acumen to see a, a problem of these people need money i feel like we can get them money i saw that problem i reached out to the contacts that i did have and we went from there that's actually the kind of interesting thing about it I actually do have a lot of insider contacts. The creationist community is pretty small. Like in terms of the practicing researchers and scientists and like popularizers, it's a pretty small community. There are some like really loud voices though, like Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis, who I don't agree with on a lot of things. Um, you know, they're the guys who are, you know, they're going to have hundreds of thousands to millions of subscribers and things like that across their different platforms and all. And I'm, I'm certainly not there. Um, but I do have a lot of insider connections with people who I think, matter more than them in a certain mm -hmm. sense. And so um, I am just blessed and privileged to be able to use my business acumen to be helping with a behind the scenes thing that if it works, will become very, very forefront and prominent and exciting. And so I have a, ch a chance for excitement around that. So I think perhaps one of the reasons you asked me that question, one of the things that I've talked about with you is I do have a big, one of the big things that I want to do is I I do. I want to create a place. So some of you listening, you may or may not know about the Ark Encounter um, in Kentucky and the Creation Museum. Uh, and obviously some of you who are listening probably wouldn't even, like, maybe you don't, maybe you're a Christian and you don't agree with that or just whatever. I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of different opinions on it. Um, whatever you think, regardless of that, I I think there's room for more players in that space with unique ideas. And so I have sort of a pretty grand vision of what I would like to do, which is to essentially, if you were to take a, you know, a creationist, uh, you know, a, a learning environment and you were to mesh it with the sort of entertainment aspect of something like a Great Wolf Lodge, that's what I would like to do. Some sort of hotel and resort thing that allows people to learn about science and the Bible while they're there. Okay. That's sort of like the big grand vision. And would that be like a career thing or a, a thing that makes money? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, at the same time, it would also be there would be a lot of other things involved with it in terms of publishing and books and courses and video stuff and just all of that stuff together. So um, when you say, would it be a career? Um, do I ever see a day where I'm working full time on that? I don't know. I guess it depends on what is meant by full time. I can definitely see a time where it makes up a significant portion of what I'm thinking mm -hmm. about on a regular basis. I mean, I would love nothing. Like, that's the ultimate dream for me is to literally like make my living thinking about the Bible. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. I want that living, which is why I even considered for a time, you know, going to a, you know, school for theology and, and stuff like that. But 
even so then a lot of times you're going to get a degree to teach other people. Yeah. It's like I've, I've almost never understood that, right? You're literally going to get a degree to teach other people to go get a degree to teach other people. It's like, what do the people actually do with this stuff? And of course, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. I get that. But um, yeah, so so there's a lot there's a lot there. Uh, there are some things I want to do, but um, it, right now it it's it's a, it's in the fun category while I'm growing up some of the social capital that I need to turn it into a publishing slash entertainment empire like I would eventually like to. I'm uh, I'm actually really excited about that idea, and that's a long term idea, and I'm really excited to see long term what's going to yeah, come from that. It, it is, and look, I um. You know, the guts are there, I got to say. I've, so I've already got, you know, uh, the website sort of built and ready to go, honestly, for that, at least the first version of it. I've got relationships. I mean, I've got relationships with people who are um, obviously scientists in the field. I've got relationships with people who are writing fiction books in in the field and like really trying to to get people interested. I've got I've got the right connections and I'm a good age you know, for all of these things to yep. in the next 20 years, possibly really turn into something, but it is, I am thinking about good. that more of a long-term time horizon. I yeah. think something that big, like a 20 year timeline is a yep. fairly reasonable, uh, mm -hmm. last and final question. Uh, when are you, when, what's the timeline for you and me making our meat tavern? Oh, dude. Yes. Ah, that, that is an exciting thought, right? So there's a, Believe it or not, there's a multi-step thought process for me strategy that goes into that too, okay? So um, that is a great example of a business that is heavily local, at least to start with, mm -hmm. right? And um, so just like I feel like some social capital would be helpful, um, I already have some, but I need more in the creation stuff. Some social capital in the local business environment um, will be nice and helpful. And literally getting started with that as soon as tomorrow. So I have a meeting lined up uh, tomorrow. Obviously, by the time y'all listen to this, this meeting will have passed. But I have a meeting tomorrow with the local radio station nice. here in town. And I will be promoting the new local marketing arm of my business um, with them. That's awesome. Um, with with ads and with a, uh, I get to do a 15 minute radio spot with the hosts, Ooh. um, twice per month. Nice. Um, and, and 25, 30 second ad spots during primetime radio, uh, throughout spread throughout the month. So I'm quite excited about that opportunity. And I have a couple other things that I eventually want to do, um, in the local, in the mm. local sort of sphere, right? I've got that idea. Um, which is the local marketing, which again, it makes sense to go into the market with what we already know and what we already do best. And we already have a couple clients who are local. And so I would really love for our name and our reputation to spread with the work that we're already doing and already good at. And then as we start to introduce other business ideas and concepts into the local area here, I think it will uh, go a long way. So I have an idea for essentially a laundry delivery company in our local area that I would like to start. I've been on, already in talks with some people on that. Um, it's on pause. It's big time on pause. It's not even in my task manager right now. I deleted it. I'm like, we're not even thinking about this right now. It's not there. Um, but it is an idea. And then soon to follow, 
I think would be the meat tavern, or maybe that comes first. I, I don't know, but ultimately that's a me and you question, right? I mean, it's going to come down to where you're at with it too. I know you've got a lot going on. Um, but as soon as we think we can justify the time and the financial investment to do it, man, I'm ready. I mean, I am just super pumped I, about I, a, about the meat tavern. I feel like that's going to be an idea that comes to fruition, like super quick. Like there's going to be nothing, nothing. Mm -hmm. You and I go through like these big hills where we'll, we will talk um, nonstop about it for like a week straight, come up with all these ideas, make it bigger, bigger. And then we'll just kind of make it quiet. I feel like sometime in the future, it's just going to be a day where we say, okay, let's make it happen. Then by the end of the year, we'll have this full blown restaurant. Yeah. up. I think that's how it's going to happen. Well, this is in some sense by design, right? This is gardening. Here's one of the interesting things. Uh, kind of funny how this kind of got brought around full circle. Um, I've never been successful with anything that feels forced. Mm. Okay? Never. In fact, the things that have been the most successful for me were the ones I tried to get away from at one point. Okay? Now, I've never tried to get away from the meat tavern, and I don't think I'm going to. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> but... What I'm saying is, is what we're talking about here. We'll go, we'll go periods of time where we talk about it for a week straight or whatever, and then it, it dies back down. Okay. When it dies back down, all I'm doing in my mind is I'm pulling the magnifying glass away mm -hmm. from, from, from that, from that seed, right? Yep. It sprouted a little bit above the ground. All right. I see you. I see you. You're looking good. You got some color on you. You look good. Pull the magnifying glass. I guess some out. color on you. <laughs> right? right. There's more. That idea needs more sunlight. It needs a little bit more water. And I came up with this analogy the other day. I actually think it's a beautiful analogy for this stuff. Here's the interesting thing about growing a plant. Um, there are things within your control. And then some of it is left up to God. Okay. Or if you're a new age kind of person, you can say the universe or whatever. The bottom line is, is that when you're looking at a thing, when you're looking at a seed, unless it's the kind of seed that literally God made, which is, a, you know, a, a fruit, a, 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 you know, basically a, a tree or a plant where the seed is within itself. It's like pregnant with itself, which is like a whole thing, which is really cool. But like, if it's a seed that you have to plant, um, then you have to do that work. But then God has to do his work too. God sends the rain. Now you can manufacture the rain with a sprinkler system. And that's pretty common, right? But God still has to send the sunlight. Okay. And yes, you can even simulate sunlight in like super controlled environments, but like not in nature, right? In nature, you need sunlight. God has to do his part. And so uh, what's interesting is, is that your timing is not God's timing. And so it, it doesn't always happen all at the same time. And if you have to force it, now you're playing God. And again, that's not an argument for like not being active or not thinking about it or not doing things. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that there are some things that you just, that keep coming back up. God seems to like open up the heavens and, and, and put a little bit more sunlight on it at a given moment. And then, and then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's that little, what's that little ray of sunlight over there? And then you put your magnifying glass, you start zooming in and you see a little bit more color on that seed, right? That's literally, it sounds crazy, but that's how I think about things. And um, the things that have worked the best for me are always the ones where like every time I would zoom that magnifying glass back in, the idea had sprouted up 
just a little bit more. Mm. And those ideas, and then it was like, okay, it's time to like literally pour a bucket of water and like pull back the curtains and pour all the sunlight that we can on this thing. And then and then we do it. And so that's what you're talking about. That's where, yeah, like we're <clears> gonna <throat> decide to do it. And then by the end of that year, we're gonna have a restaurant and it's gonna be epic and it's all gonna be up and going. Mm-hmm. But the ideation comes in stages, right? That's how yeah. I sort of treat everything. So yeah, that no, make sense. It does make sense. I don't know if it makes sense for everyone, but it makes sense for me, Steve. That's really all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> I appreciate well, the opportunity to talk about myself. It's been really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when uh when you and I get together, we always just I mean, yeah, we talk about like each other, we're just saying each other stuff, but we just go back and forth just like talking about what's up with ourselves. And because we just get so excited about what the other's doing. It's fun. It's fun yeah. to have a to have a friend to do that too, or else it just sounds braggy when you go to someone else and you get excited about everything that you're doing or trying to do in your big goals, but you have someone like-minded yeah. that you can go to and say, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I did this and this. And you actually know you're going to get some excitement from the other person. It feels good. Well, and I appreciate the opportunity. You know, it's, um, I, I, I have to talk about myself a lot slash more than I want to just because of like the nature of the kind of work that I'm doing, but I, I don't ever get the chance to really share at like the meta level of, my own thinking of how I do things like sharing about the gardening and think and thinking about how I, um, how I think about domain names. I never think about that stuff. I just do it. And so you kind of forced me to like analyze myself a little bit and it's really a helpful exercise that I should probably do more often just to think how I think and check my thinking. Is this a good way to think? Is this a good way to be? Should I stop being like this? Should I be more like this? Um, Steve so, yeah. 101. Yeah, Steve 101, right? Just doing stupid <laughs> So, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, I, I will share my story of the week and then we yeah. can move on to yours. Uh, you've done most of the talking this episode. Uh, uh-huh. so I'll, I'll go ahead and take the reins there. Wait, wait, actually, is, that, is that different from another, from any other episode you can think of? Or uh, I'm pretty sure I've done most of the talking in every episode. I'm sure there's been an episode or two where I've done at least 30% of the talking. Maybe. Yeah, we'd have to look hard. <laughs> to really dig down into for that <laughs> so i actually have two just because i go so quickly uh the first one is have you seen the new chevy commercial i have not so no. you and you and i uh talk about our kind of hatred's a strong word but i think it's a very accurate word our hatred for car commercials um but when they're done right we love them well chevy came out yeah. with one i think they've trimmed it down to like a 30 second version for commercials on tv um, but there's like a full five minute version um, on their YouTube page. <clears throat> and I want I I don't want to spoil it just because it's such a good story, but it's just a really good like holiday, like family story. It kind of brings like mm. a real heavy tear to your eye. And then it's not like full blown in your face, like a specific Chevy brand or car. Just at the end, it says happy holidays and then it says Chevy. But it's a really great story that they made. Mm. And I just like I really appreciated that. Um, a car company finally just made a, a commercial that I enjoyed, um, which is very rare to see. Um, yeah. The other story of the week Love is that. the Cybertruck is finally like being delivered and shipped out to people who uh, can lay down the dollar for that $80,000 for the cheaper model and a hundred grand for yeah. the more expensive one. And I can't wait to be driving down the road and finally seeing one of those on the highway. Um, so I'm really oh, excited man. for when that day comes and kind of in the area where you and I live, um, we tend to see a lot more variety of vehicles, I think, kind of in our area, especially down by down down by our way by the lake. So I, I, I know that someone has pre-ordered in our area 
probably a few. So I'm excited to see him. Oh man, that's going to be so fun. I mean, I'll be honest. I still think the thing looks ridiculous. It I, does. Can't myself, I cannot bring myself to think it looks awesome, but you know, it does look futuristic and from all early indications, it is a workhorse. So yeah. I'm really interested to see what, how that materializes. And from what I've heard, like when you see it in person, apparently it looks great in person. Like when you're looking at it, it seems like something from the future. So maybe yeah. you just have to see it in person to to really get the full effect. Yeah, I I have heard that, right? I have definitely heard that. And um, just having read uh, just a little bit of the insider stuff in Elon's biography where they talk about, you know, the Cybertruck and stuff a little bit. It's uh, yeah, it's like it was it was poised to just be sort of another boring truck in a sense. But, um, you know, they finally refined it and got it to where Elon's like, yep, that's it. That's what it, it's got to look like that. No other option. That's so cool. If it's if it's Elon doing it, I got to give him somewhat the benefit of the doubt, even though I don't like the initial look of it. I'm that way too. Yeah, yeah. I'm that way too. Um, he, he's officially got the status in my mind of, well, it can't be a bad idea. <laughs> it can't, it can't yeah. be. <laughs> All right, Steve, what is your story of the week? Unless, uh, unless you're plumb out. Your story of the week was kind of you, but maybe you have something else you can follow you up with. <laughs> <laughs> well, naturally, I will follow me up with the only person who could possibly trump me, and that is Elon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, uh, well, so this is, uh, we're recording this the day after, I think what will be a, f a history books moment, potentially. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on who's, <laughs> who's writing the history book. Um, but yesterday at a <laughs> New York times, um, event, it was like a two hour long interview. Um, Elon basically told people who were trying to blackmail him by pulling their advertising dollars from X slash formerly Twitter to go F themselves. Hmm. He said it many, many times in many different ways. <laughs> Even called out Bob Iger, who was allegedly in the audience, the CEO of Disney, said, you in the audience, Bob? Go F yourself. <laughs> um, well... Here's the Cliff Notes, and I promise it's Cliff Notes version. He puts out a tweet. I don't even know what the tweet was. I haven't been able to find it. He puts out a tweet that was worded very poorly. He admits this. Whatever it was, it was worded poorly. And you could see, apparently, how you might get from that tweet that Musk had anti-Semitic thoughts. He was anti-Jew. He's obviously not anti-Jew. He's very much loves humanity. It's literally when you just look at it, it's crazy to even think that he would be anti-Jew. He has good relationships publicly with lots of Jewish leaders and people. He's very much not an anti-Semite. He had an unfortunately worded post. He apologized for that post six ways from Sunday. He he did. He actually apologized. He said on that on that interview that it was probably the worst post out of 30,000 posts that he had ever made even though he didn't mean it in the way that it was said. And again, he didn't, he didn't give like the woke woke mob kind of apology, right? It was a very Elon, you know, just kind of normal, like a normal guy, right? Kind of apology of just like, yeah, like I worded this poorly, but I'm clearly not anti-Semitic. So, you know, get over it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is, is the advertisers are, um, have latched on 
to this story that the news media has just they're looking for any reason to dump on this guy and to dump on free speech and they really are um and so so the media has reported on this that Musk is an anti-Semite and that there's all this anti-Semitic activity on X and he's just allowing it. Advertisers are literally blackmailing him with their money by pulling their ads from the platform. And the guy from the New York Times asked him about this and he's like, Elon said, I want them to stop advertising. And the guy's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah. I want them to stop advertising. Like you're telling me that you're going to blackmail me with money to <laughs> he's like, go F yourself. No, seriously, go F yourself. And I mean, like I said, many times, many times, and the guy's like, yeah, but doesn't that mean the platform's going to die? And he's like, yes, it does. It, it, if, if all the advertising dollars go away, it will kill the platform and all of earth will know, who killed the platform and they're the judge, right? That that's it. Like, and the guy's like, well, yeah, but you know, people are going to say that they didn't. He's like, I don't care what they say. Let earth be the judge. Let earth decide. It will document it. Well, how everything went down. If the company goes under, it will be the fault of these companies. And the guy's like, you don't really think that they're, they're going to like, people are going to like choose you like choose X over these companies and like boycott these companies. He's like, they already are. And not only that, like I mean, there are lots of people who've already boycotted Disney mm. ever since this. Ever since this, literally thousands of people. It's all over Twitter. Thousands of people have canceled their Disney Plus <laughs> subscriptions and have, and and lots of companies have pledged millions of dollars worth of ad spend on X. They said they're boycotting. Mm. They're pulling off their ad spend off of all these other platforms and spending totally on X. Yep. So people are sick and tired of being bullied. And uh, it's like Russell Brand put on his YouTube channel today talking about this. He's like, this is like a pivotal, mo like pivotal moment. This, this is the moment where literally on TV, New York Times, the dude stood up and said, you don't get to decide. You don't, you don't, you don't get to bully us and push us around. It's not going to be that way anymore. And that uh, comes on the heels of Daily Wire tomorrow releasing a comedy movie that's, you know, it's, it's literally called Lady Ballers. And it's just the idea. It's basically polemical <laughs> satire and mockery yeah. and the idea of, of, of trans um, men in sports and all this. And so it's a really interesting time to be a conservative. And um, I, I think I'm on the right team, generally speaking, uh, when it comes to that stuff. Uh, free speech, um, conservative values, and uh, I'm excited. It's it's as like one person said on Twitter, we are so back, and that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. I I agree. It's a uh, legendary moment. I like that he's in a position where he just he's in a position where he can call the shots and just let people make their minds up and see where it goes. It's so like what you said, instead of him saying, oh, well, of course we want advertisers or of course this and leveling, you know, like smoothing everything out. He's just like, well, if you don't want to advertise and don't like just see what happens. <laughs> and look, his his appointed CEO of Twitter, Linda Yaccarino, was right there. <laughs> you know, the guy points to her and he's like, yeah, but she's got to figure out how to keep the platform alive with advertisers. And you're over here telling him to go F themselves. And he's like, yeah, we don't we don't do blackmail. Like that, that's mm. not cool. Like that's not going to fly. And uh, she put out a tweet, like fully supporting that. Obviously, echoing what he said. Yeah, of course we want advertisers, but we're not going to go. You know, we're not going to we're not going to stand for blackmail. That's not okay.
So. I love privately owned companies. <laughs> like, like he would probably still yeah. do like whatever he was publicly owned, but then you get into, then the news would be, Oh, the X's stock price dropped this much because of this. And here's what investors are saying versus just, this is the news, not the, not the financial impact of the stock after that. Look, I publicly uh, traded companies are ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. Like what happened with, and this is a whole other debacle that's happened in the past week or two. The whole debacle with Sam Altman and OpenAI. Did you see all that? I, I very briefly. I, I'm very uh, much uh, ignorant of of the facts for it. Yeah, Cliff notes Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, who has like done all this great stuff, got kicked out by the board. The board got scared about something, kicked out Sam and kicked out his like second in command guy. Um, thousands of employees leave OpenAI in solidarity with him, basically, or threatened to, or whatever it is. Microsoft hires the guy. Three days later, the guy is reinstated as the That's CEO. The whole board is fired. There was a huge mistake, a whole big to do hoopla about it, and the whole nine. And it's like, this is the kind of unnecessary crap. Literally, you're talking about artificial intelligence. You're talking about the thing that the world is scared about the most, basically, right now. At the whim of this random board decision on little to no data and all this crap, they just make this random decision. And um, anyway, I just think boards suck. And so I don't ever plan to be a part of a um, publicly traded or owned company, even if I had the opportunity to. Like, if you can have a, a like, yeah, I mean, if you can do Twitter X with private ownership, $44 billion investment, private ownership, boom, that's where it's at, baby. Like, I feel like the boards are either two routes. Either they cause way too much of a commotion, like in your example, or they literally do nothing and they're just sucking money from the yep. company <laughs> it's 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 one it's one or the other um it's, it's uh I, I get why why companies want to go public to raise that initial money and it puts you know it's it does all that well, but it, i almost look at it overnight right because yeah. on paper you have so much more money with stock I, options i almost look at it you and i talked a lot about this and i think a lot of companies are going this route not just the publishing but it's almost like the amazon route of self-publishing where yeah you're self-publishing on amazon but you're still, but you're still relying on being found. You're paying a lot of money in royalties rather than just doing it yourself. I feel like it's not exactly the same, but similar mindset with going from going private to public where, yeah, you have the chance to, you know, you get in the public's eyes. There's that initial IPO. There's all this different stuff, but why can't you just do it yourself? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. I think private ownership is the way to go. Um, so yeah, independent publishing is the way to go. Like that, like that is becoming more and more uh, prominent, and the internet just makes it all possible. So absolutely. All right, Steve. That brings us to the end of an hour long episode. I think it's been yeah. a while since we've done an hour long one. Well, of course, the one about me would we go this long. So yeah, I was thinking we would keep it under two hours, so at least we hit my, my we did goal. We're within expectations. It's all about those expectations. Yeah, the, ex the expectations. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Steve, Very it has cool. been a pleasure. Thank you for giving us a little deep dive into your mind. We just, uh, we have just penetrated the surface, though. So maybe a little bit more next time. I uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, have enjoyed it very, very much. All right. Until next time, uh, Steve, do you want to bid your farewell? Sure. You guys take care. Share with your friends. Comment on YouTube. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. See you next time.